أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين وصلى الله تبارك وتعالى وسلم على سيدنا محمد سيدنا وسندنا وحبيبنا وشفيعنا ومولانا صلى الله عليه وعلى آله وأصحابه وأزواجه وذرياته وأهل بيته ومن تبعهم بإحسان إلى يوم الدين وبعد الحمد لله رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم he said, In Atiyab ma akaltum, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. He said, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, In Atiyab ma akaltum, Min Kasbikum, Wa in Auladakum, Min Kasbikum. He said that the most pure, the most pure thing that you consume. The most pure thing that you consume is the thing that you earned on your own. There are a number of other hadith that are there from the Rasul with regards to a person's risk and provision, what is the most halal thing that they earn. And so in some narrations, it has to do with what? With the kasb, meaning in particular of two kinds. One is the work that you do with your own hands. Why? Because when you do labor with your own hands, there's very little chance for cheating somebody. I was told this by uh, an imam from Bosnia. He said that they had a custom back in the day that when someone would go for hajj, they would take their cash for spending on the trip and they'd go to a barber and switch the money with the barber. It's a sentimental thing. This is not actually a sunnah, nor is it uh, uh, something that is... Uh, even recommended necessarily, but it's a sentimental idea. Why? Because the person understands when you go on Hajj, your money should be pure that you spend. Otherwise, there's a doubt whether it's going to be accepted or not. In Allah, tayyibun la yaqbilu illa tayyiban. This is this much is a hadith of the Prophet ﷺ that Allah Taala is pure, and He does not accept anything other than that which is pure. So the idea was what? And also this is, this is a hadith of the Prophet ﷺ that the work of your hands, because there's very little chance you're cheating somebody in it. And a barber, what you see is what you get. It's not like you're going to get home and be like, oh my God, he didn't cut my hair, he just made a fool of me. You see what the product is, you see what the result is, the guy did the work with his own hands, it's pretty halal. The second thing the Messenger of Allah ﷺ mentioned, which is Mubarak, is what? Bay'un mabrur. That sale or that transaction that a person transacts in, in which they fulfill all of their duties to all parties involved. Meaning that you sold something, Allah is, is, is pleased with that sale. You didn't sell the person pork, you didn't sell the person alcohol, you didn't uh, you know, make a dummy transaction in which there's some sort of uncertainty or in which there's usury or in which there's some sort of cheating. You didn't lie about the sale, and the person who you know, bought the thing from you, that person got exactly what they paid for, they know exactly what it is, what's good about it, what's bad about it, what's interesting about it. It's a completely up and up sale, that these two are the most what? The most pure of sources of income. Right? That the most Pure. Here, atiyab means what? The most tayyib. And this is an interesting side note. That the word tayyib means halal. 
Nowadays, there's a, some sort of misunderstanding that tayyib is something different and halal is something different. They're not. People ask me these questions, actually. Sometimes when I give a fiqh workshop, they'll say, Sheikh, you know, the meat in the halal store, it smells bad and it's of low quality and I don't know if the animal is raised properly and I don't know about this, I don't know about that. You know, it's halal, but it's not tayyib. Whereas on the other hand, if I go and buy the meat from Whole Foods, it's not halal, but it's tayyib. This is completely wrong. It's a failure of understanding. Go look in the books of tafsir rather than TikTok fatwas and YouTube stars and Twitter and Facebook, etc. And you'll see that in the books of tafsir, a prerequisite for something being tayyib is that it's halal. A pre prerequisite for something being pure is that it's lawful, that the Lord accepts it. And if you don't like the meat that's halal and you don't think it's tayyib, that's your problem. You can take it up with Allah Ta'ala. Obviously, there's always room for improvement and we should improve and we must improve. And we should not accept suboptimality in things that we eat and drink or in the ways that we transact. However, there's a basic minimum, a floor that's been met and that's dictated not by you or your nose. It's dictated by who? By Allah Ta'ala. By Allah Ta'ala. That the most pure, the most pleasant thing that you consume from your provision, from your risk is what? That thing that you earn. That thing you earn with your own hand or through a proper trade or through some sort of proper contract. He says, He said that also to consume, to eat, to drink, to benefit from your own children. From your own children, what they earn, this is also from your kasb. This is also from your earning, meaning it's from your halal earning, and it's from your pleasant earning. There's no harm in it, and there's no blame in it. You see, the problem is nowadays, we think, I don't want to be dependent on anybody. I don't want to be dependent on anybody. But the fact of the matter is, you're always dependent on people. It is a sunnah. It's a sunnah. Confirmed sunnah. If you're able to do something without asking from others, then it is a sunnah to do things without asking. Ala al-Hadrami radiallahu ta'ala anhu. One of the later converts to Islam, he converted after the Fath of Mecca. Yet what a maqam, use a righteous man. It's recorded, one of his miracles that are recorded by the companions is that he knew the name of Allah Ta'ala such that if he made dua by it, Allah Ta'ala would answer to the point where once he was with his detachment in the eastern part of the Arabian Peninsula, they were fighting the enemy, the enemy fled from battle. And in order to pursue them, because you can f flee around a body of water, they fled from them, they're moving faster. So in order to catch up with the enemy, Ala al-Hadrami, he made dua, and then he led his soldiers across the water, that they literally walked across water, and they caught up with their enemies and they defeated them. Someone might say, well, these are just tall tales you people are making up. Guess what? Eastern Arabia, for whatever problems it may or may not have, nobody worships idols there anymore. The job got done. Coming back to this issue, Ala al-Hadrami, he asked the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa for money. Once, Rasulullah sallallahu gave him. He asked him twice, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa gave him. He asked him a third time, the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa explained to him, look, you can ask, I can give, that's fine. But if you really want to know something, then it's better not to ask. It's better to be, to be the one who gives than to be the one who receives. 
So that's fine. Within a certain rational set of parameters, you shouldn't want to be dependent on other people. You should do things yourself. If you can get up, it's a sunnah. Do it for the sake of Allah. If you can get up and get something yourself, don't ask another person for help. Don't ask your children for help. Don't ask your wife for help. Don't ask your husband. Do it yourself. That's, there's a lot of dignity, a lot of khair and barakah in it. However, the idea that somehow you're going to be able to get through life without depending on anybody ever, this is, A, it's completely impractical. Because you will get sick one day. What, should people abandon you to die in the street? You will be unable to do certain things. Should you never ask for help? Just let yourself, you know, like your car breaks down in the middle of winter. At some point or another, you have to ask people for help at some point. And when that happens, there's no blame in it. And in fact, that's how human society works. We're not lone wolves that we all live separately from one another. If we lived that way, society would break down. It's the those, those ties that we have with one another that make society function. And one of the greatest scams that people have fallen victim to, Muslims and otherwise, is this idea nowadays that somehow or another, you don't need anybody in your family. Husband and wife don't need each other. At a flick of a wrist, they're ready to run away from one another. That parents don't need children and that children don't need their parents. This is the building block the society is made on. The modern nation state. We're talking about like post, like Prussia. The modern nation state, in order to be able to sustain large armies and the economies that are needed to hold those large armies, they radicalized the way human societies work, which is what? They made the state replace family. That now the state is the thing that commands your greatest loyalty. The state is the thing that you worship and there's no God other than it. The state is the thing that you look to for your future. In the old days, what happened? When you're a child, your parents used to take care of you. Now it's the state. The state decides is your parents doing a good job or not. So the, the mindset is backwards, right? In the old days, people used to be afraid that the government might do something to my children and so I'm going to protect the kids. Or that someone in the street might do something to my children. I'm the one who's going to protect the kid. The buck stops with me. Now what is it? It's the other way around. If the parents are abusive, the default assumption is what? What if the parents abuse the children? At least the state will step in. This is the, the, the thinking pattern that's there in people's minds. There's a subtle difference. Obviously, if the parents are abusive, the state should step in. And if the state is abusive, the parents should protect their children. But the idea is that where is the, the, the level of the most trust? Is it with the state or is it with the family? Husband and wife don't get along with one another. Who settles their dispute? In the old days, it used to be the family. Now who is it? It's the state. The idea is like, well, families are abusive. You know, sometimes they pick sides and this and that. What, is the state always fair? Neither is the state perfect, nor is family perfect. But the idea is what we used to trust and depend as human beings, not just as Muslims. Because this is connected with the things that we were talking about before. We have to relearn how to be human beings. As human beings, we used to trust family, now the state has subsumed that, that role. When you're old, who's going to take care of you? In the old days, who used to take care of you when you're old? It was your children. Now who takes care of you? It's the state. It's the state you rely upon. It's the state that you depend upon. Someone says, man, this guy dresses like he's from the Middle Ages and now he wants to yank us back into the Middle Age. I'm happy with my social security. I've been paying into it for years now. 
I don't want to like go down this path. Okay, don't. Let's talk about it for a moment. Social Security right now is currently projected to go bankrupt. To go bankrupt two years before its time. Meaning what? The number of people who are going to uh, uh, be, you know, need to draw from Social Security is going to increase is going to increase at a rate faster that they will consume what it is that they put into Social Security before, the, uh, uh, before that, uh, their lifetimes are done. So basically, it's going to go bankrupt. After that, it has to be artificially sustained by taxpayer money. They're just going to increase taxes on the people who are alive. Why is that? Because there's a bunch of old people. There's not enough young people to take care of them. And why should that not surprise you? People don't want to have children anymore. People's goal in life is to work a career. That I want to work a job for somebody else, make some money for somebody else, that's their goal. When a mother does it, it's disgusting. Why? Because amongst normal human beings, a mother, her most honored role is what? Is to take care of her children. When a father does it, it's also disgusting. Why? Because men used to get jobs. Why? So that they could provide for their families. People don't have children anymore. They don't want to have children anymore. You can blame women if you want. I know there are very few women in the congregation. So as men, we can blame the women if we want. We're the ones who pick and marry those women who want to be this XYZ career woman. I'm not against women getting an education. I'm not even against women wearing, working jobs. Nor am I against a man getting an education or working a job. I've been in school longer than most people will have been. <coughs> however, however, I blame a woman who values her career more than she values her family, just like I blame a man who values his career more than he values his family. Why? That state that you're depending on, it's on the verge of collapse. Who's going to take care of you when, the, when it's not working anymore? It's going to be your family. If you don't have your family, watch. This will happen on our lifetimes. Already, laws about suicide. I mean, the, you know, the Western civilization, which purports to be Christian, and is Christian, in fact, at some times. They used to consider suicide to be haram, a sin, and an abomination, amongst, uh, 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 an abomination unto the Lord, like we do. Now, countries in Europe... And jurisdictions within America are decriminalizing it and making it lawful. You will see what is the solution to the state burgeoning under its, under its own weight, not being able to provide for old people because it's not having any new people come into the system. It's the same thing that happens with families, that parents are being ignored, right? Parents are being ignored by their children. So the state that tells old people, go kill yourself. It's a macrocosm. The microcosm is what? Families, nobody wants to take care of their own parents, so they abandon them. You want to be a modern person? See the analogies between the two of them. What did the Messenger of Allah وسلم, say? There's a Sahih Hadith that many people are familiar with. There's a Sahih Hadith that many people are familiar with. Tazawwajul wadud al-walud fa'inni and there are other narrations of it as well. There are other wordings. That the Messenger of Allah وسلم, said, Marry that woman that is beloved to you and that will give you many children. Because I will boast about your numbers on the Day of Judgment. Someone says, this is very old-fashioned. 
The earth is overpopulated. I agree. There are some people, it doesn't make sense for them to have like 30 children right now. I'm not advocating people make decisions that are harmful. But the idea is as much as you're able to, it's good to have a, a big family. Why? Because people are going onto Facebook and depressed that their posts are not getting liked as much as somebody else's. They're going on to TikTok and Instagram because they're not getting as many likes and they're not getting as many views and they're not getting any attention. Nobody cares about me. Nobody loves me. Nobody this, nobody that. They suffer psychiatric issues because of it. All of us do. All of us. We're all in it. Whereas what? Literally, there's a pre-programmed, genetically pre-programmed organism that's there to provide you a love that will allow you to endure the most difficult things in life that will allow you to see them just for a moment and it will make you forget all of your worries and concerns that will allow you to suffer sickness and illness and keep the will to live when other people don't have it that will take care of you when you become old that will cheer you up will brighten up your day all of these things and on the day of judgment all of their good deeds will be what? free Hasanat in your bank account. Somehow or another, somebody convinced everybody that working in a hospital or working in uh, Goldman Sachs or working in some schlock corporation or working, uh, you know, a gas station or working some other job is somehow or another more important and more essential for your happiness and your success to the point where they shifted the benchmark of what success is to that instead of the thing that literally you don't even have to be a Muslim to agree about it. Everybody knows that this is the thing that will bring you happiness. This is the reason that people in poor societies, whole societies, according to the, the, the language of this qawm, third world countries, stone age countries, failed states, they're psychologically more resilient than people over here are. They're psychologically more resilient than people over here are. Alhamdulillah, mashallah ta'ala said, you know, go travel in the world, see what's, what's going on outside, you know? America isn't everything, Illinois isn't everything, Chicago isn't everything. It's something, it's important, we love it because it's our home. But there's more to see in the world. I was so shocked when I went to Bosnia, I saw how psychologically resilient people are. That there are people who will discuss with you the genocide of their own qawm and the death of their own family members and certain things worse than death, that a person fears more than death happening in front of their eyes and you get the distinct feeling that this person is psychologically more put together than people who never saw a day of hardship in their life in America that there are people who get bent out of shape about social media and about losing a job or about the real estate market or about something having to do with money more than these people got bent out of shape because of genocide torture, rape and unspeakable things what's the difference? what's the difference? One place you live amongst your qawm, you live amongst your people, you live amongst your relatives, you live amongst your support system. It's a normal thing, it's a natural thing, and it helps you heal, it helps you to become whole again. Many of us, at least those of us who are immigrants, but even the people who are from the native indigenous population in America, many of us, many of us, not all of us, are in such a situation that because of the poverty that we've suffered, we have this idea that somehow money is going to solve all the problems. It's not even in the dunya, it's not even going to solve all the problems. I'm talking about a purely materialistic, a purely materialistic point of view. Not asking the question of is there life after death.
And it's obviously not going to. And this is the bonus. Nobody said kufr is supposed to make sense. Right? What is the work of shaitan is? Halakul halth wan nasl. That he will get you to destroy your productivity and he will get you to destroy your lineage. Somehow or another, we forgot about all of these things. The point of this talk is not to go home and yell at your wife and say, oh, you know, like you have to have kids and you have to do this, you have to do that. Look how pious I am. The thing that was broken, it didn't break in a day. And to fix it is not going to be fixed. It's not going to be fixed in a day. You can't just tell your wife that, hey, I want to have a bunch of kids now, so cancel your career. A number of choices were put into motion in order to make that thing happen. It's quite possible you yourself in your own situation are not going to be able to undo it. But the first step toward fixing something that's broken or to cor correcting a behavior that was wrong is first understanding that there was a problem. It's to ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for his help. To talk about things, to discuss things. And then make holistic solutions. Solutions are not just what? Just not just somebody telling you what to do. To make holistic solutions. That how is it that we can start spending more time with one another? How is it that we can start spending time with one another, with our children? How is it that we can help this process? If we don't have our own children, how is it that we can help raise our, the nieces and nephews or the children of the Ummah of Sayyidina Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam? Derive some sort of meaning from that. And the thing is, not everybody is going to have kids. I know that. It doesn't mean that their marriages are, are useless. 